The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. I, I know Trump Republicans like to trash the country. They do. They do. Extreme MAGA. Trump. They talk, fly their flags upside down. Talk about how horrible things are. Talk about they insult our men and women in uniform. And talk about how weak and woke the United States military is, despite the fact our military is stronger relative to the rest of the world than it has been since 1945. And yet the attacks keep coming. And they call Joe Biden a socialist. He's a Marxist. They're such idiots. He's a communist. Well, baby, if this is how communism like works for the stock market, there are a lot of billionaires. There are a lot of millionaires who are voting for Donald Trump calling Joe Biden a socialist that are making millions of dollars every single day because the stock market is soaring. The economy is doing better than ever before. Our jobs numbers are better than they've ever been. They're better than anywhere else in the world. Our inflation numbers, more inflation numbers come out today. We're doing better tamping down inflation post-COVID than any major industrial power in the world. And yet the whining continues. The hatred for America continues from the extreme MAGA Trumpers. Why? Why do they hate America? Why? Why do they fly their flags upside down? Biden is socialist? Oh, don't tell traders on Wall Street that. Don't tell industrial nations across the world who look at our numbers and say, how are they doing that? How is America? How does America continue to thrive even in the hardest of times? And yet one sick, diseased man who so desperately wants to get into the White House that he admits that he wants the economy to crash. And he says, let's keep the southern border in chaos for another year. It's nothing patriotic about that's sick. I've got to say, I served in Congress long enough to be able to say this. This group of extreme House MAGA Republicans are the most unpatriotic I have seen in a long, long time. Comedy gold right there from the morning meltdown. He served in Congress long enough. I think it was, was it just two years back in the 1990s? But he knows, he knows. He was there just long enough to know that these, these extreme MAGA Republicans, they're unpatriotic. They hate their country. You can see why that this is Joe Biden's favorite show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live stream of this video broadcast every weekday morning at 11.05 
a.m. in the central time zone of the United States by just going to TrumpetDaily.com or over to the Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. We also have the evening replay on LFA TV. That, too, is a Rumble channel. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a note, a message, some feedback. I collected more last evening. I'm not sure if we'll have time to get into them today, but we will eventually. We'll read some of your comments on the air. And so, as I say, there is your daily rant on Morning Joe. They're really hopeful that this bill passed in the dark of night by the Senate. 70 senators. Yeah, that's 20 or 21 Republicans joined on for the $95 billion spending package to send money abroad, to send money to Southeast Asia, to Hamas. Yeah, $9 billion to the, well, the Palestinians, but Hamas, surely Hamas won't get any of that. $61 billion to Ukraine and nothing, not one penny, nothing to secure America's own southern border. We'll see what happens in the House. But they're screaming. They're screaming on the morning meltdown because they fear that uh, Mike Johnson might, <laughs> he might not even uh, let it get to the, the, the floor of the House. There's going to be a lot of political warfare this week. But, but how, look at how many weak rhino Republicans are being exposed. Fully exposed. And you see more and more. You see more and more where Trump supporters are, they're winning in this war. I mean, it may not look like it in the Senate, but Mitch McConnell's in danger, just like Kevin McCarthy was not that long ago. Ronna McDaniel, Romney's niece, she's evidently on the way out as the chair over the the RNC. So as I said yesterday, and we... If we have time, we'll get into the rest of that article that I couldn't finish. And just how many victories Donald Trump is claiming. How many victories? It's been a pretty good week for him. And and more and more, you're seeing articles. (laughs) Apart from that, you're seeing articles exposing Barack Hussein Obama as the one who's leading this fundamental transformation. There was a, a piece at the American Thinker which even called Joe Biden the puppet. Called Barack Obama's, uh, called Biden Barack Obama's puppet. So it's been almost 12 years of Obama, says someone at the American Thinker. I mean, that's exactly what we've been saying at the Trumpet Magazine. This is an older issue, but here's the one. Here's the one that applies. Who's running the show? This was at the Trumpet. If you haven't subscribed to the Trumpet yet, make sure you call our operators in request a free, there's no cost or obligation, a free one-year subscription to the Trumpet Magazine. Tomorrow's news today, the 800 number you can see there, 1-866-930-3024. If you live in the United States, Canada, or the Caribbean, you can also go to our website, thetrumpet.com, and order all of our material, which is offered to you, the viewer, at no cost or obligation. Here's a montage of the regime media saying that Joe, imagine, I mean, try to navigate your way through the next nine months 
of people arguing over which one is senile, which one is crazy. Here's a montage that basically says, Joe Biden, I mean, he's a stable genius. And Donald Trump, of course, is insane. This is clip five. Joe Biden has done a great job. Joe Biden has overseen the best economy in my lifetime. He's done everything right. The other guy is insane. Joe Biden is 80 plus years old. Yes, he is. He has been a competent, effective leader. We've seen examples over and over again of Donald Trump just losing it on stage here. Nobody's closer to me. Nobody's been closer to me in my life than my mom. If somebody asked me in the middle of the deposition, what year did your mom die? I go. I don't know, 2017, 2018, 2019. I don't know. I can tell you everything about it. The Trump glass house is going to come crashing to the ground because there's clip after clip after clip of this guy not even remembering, uh, you know, the most basic things. Experience is so important. So Joe Biden has vision. He has knowledge. He has a strategic thinker. This is a very sharp president. But I think fine times to joke about it and... And then obviously pivot back to the fact that his opponent is not just losing his memory, he's also insane. Trump did, though, to the point uh, that the congressman just said, make some pretty incredible and confusing gaffes himself, right? This is- There's so many things the guy doesn't remember. And again, it's, it's like everything else. The double standards are just ab- are so egregious. Uh, and yet you have Donald Trump again uh, over the weekend thinking he's running against Barack Obama and confusing it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's bizarre. He doesn't even know the day of the week sometimes when he's at an event. He doesn't know who he's running against, doesn't remember the details of his time as president. His uh, gaffes, if you want to call them that, tend to be much weightier than Joe Biden's, which is to say the idea that these are somehow being presented as equivalent is preposterous. Just ask yourself for a moment, why... If, if Donald Trump is insane and he can't remember the day of the week, then why don't these networks play any of his speeches? They don't even let the man speak for himself. They blot it out. They censor him. If it's so obvious, <laughs> you know, you know why they blot it out. Because they don't want you tuning in and finding out that, hang on a second, he's, he's actually pretty relatable. Um, and I kind of like what he's, what he's saying with respect to the southern border, for example. With respect to no more foreign aid, $95 billion to overseas hotspots. And nothing, nothing to secure the border and to stop the invasion of the United States. Just to make one last point about the argument now. I mean, this is, this is the 2024 debate, right? Which one, which one is actually senile? Now, in the case of Trump, as I say, they don't want you to see anything he says at a rally. And, and actually, in the case of Biden, they don't really show any of his speeches either because he doesn't give speeches. He comes out for a, a press conference last Thursday evening, and it was a disaster. So you can be sure he's going to disappear for the next many weeks, maybe months. We'll see. He's the basement candidate. Why Why does Van Jones want to tuck him in the basement? It was so obvious. He's sharp. He's clear. He's had a great three years. His policies are well-received. It's all so wonderful. 
They want to tuck him in the basement for a reason. And they want for you not to be able to see Donald Trump's rallies for a reason. Because they're propagandists. That's why. Listen to one final clip from the morning meltdown, number four. Donald Trump understands if the conversation stays on Joe Biden's age and Joe Biden's memory, Donald Trump understands at the end of the day, he loses. Because that whole strongman act that this failed reality host puts on every day, that strongman act, it collapses when you look at the guy stumbling on stage. Donald Trump understands this. <laughs> I think it's, it's hit a nerve, this report from uh, Robert Herr last week, which basically said what everyone else can see with their eyeballs. <laughs> they see who's stumbling. They see who's having trouble communicating. And it's not a laughing matter, don't get me wrong. But these propagandists, these liars, as I say, it's going to be nine months of this. Who's senile? He understands, so says Joe, that uh, it's a losing argument if Donald Trump, if, if the subject has to do with senility, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> he, says, he says Trump's trying to change the, the topic of discussion by his comments regarding NATO or whatever just because he doesn't want the conversation to center around the senility of the candidates. Donald Trump spent, if, if, you would, if you would play any of his rallies, you would see that Donald Trump has been saying for months that Joe Biden, it, he is not mentally fit for office. He's been saying it over and over again, and now it's been confirmed. The Senate... Before, before Americans could even call in and voice their disapproval, they pa I think it was earlier in the night, I think they had the, the cloture vote uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. So think about this. They tried, to, they tried to legalize the invasion with the so-called border security added on last week. That wasn't going to fly. There was an outcry. And then now they're like, well, forget the border then. We'll just, uh, we've got to send $61 billion to Ukraine. Joe Scarborough, by the way, earlier today, he was talking about how Russia, because of the Ukraine war, Russia's just been devastated. They, they, the economy has been crushed. Vladimir Putin's army has been crushed. Well, why do they need $61 billion then? Well, it's so, it's so that the globalists, and there's plenty of them in D.C., can continue to line their pocket. It's not just the Hunter, the Hunter Biden people. It's not just Joe Biden's family. I mean, you've got others. They're making money hand over fist in D.C. Because of these <laughs> insane, you talk about insanity, these insane spending bills. Steve Bannon said earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday, that at this pace, we're at a $2 trillion deficit this year, 2024. Just adding $2 trillion to the debt. We're at a point now where the biggest bill that we have every year, this just to pay the interest, not to pay down the debt. No, just the interest payments. 
You know, you know a little something about that if you have a credit card or, or if, you're, if you have a mortgage on your house. Look at the fine print. Get a printout of how much goes to your, your actual house and how much you're just paying to the bank. And it's always front-loaded as well. Your first payment on the house is mostly interest. I mean, the United States is committing suicide here. And here, if you dare criticize it, I think it was Senator Cornyn who said to a conservative commentator, oh, oh, you're channeling Neville Chamberlain. I see. You want us to appease Putin. No, actually, we want you to secure our own border first. How about that? The border invasion continues. And yet you have, you have people like Joe Scarborough and others saying that if you don't give tens of, we've already given $120 billion to Ukraine. Where has it gone? Has it, has it empowered their military? I mean, a lot of Ukrainians have died. Okay, put up some, and if you're going to put up resistance to, to Putin, how about if Obama does it in 2014? Where was that? No resistance whatsoever. But now it's the most important policy. It's the most important legislation that we'll ever vote on. That's what I think that's what that that's what Mitt Romney said yesterday, whose family, by the way, makes a lot of money with all of these foreign entanglements. Oh, yes. The most important legislation in in their history. Seriously. We'll see if the House has a backbone to stand against this. $95 billion, including $9.15 billion for humanitarian assistance for Palestinians. $9.15 billion. And you've got the King of Jordan in D.C. yesterday. Of course, Joe Biden, the fake president, he's out. he doesn't even know where to go after he announces the king to come forward to speak. He is completely lost looking for a prince that wasn't in attendance, mispronouncing the king's wife's name. It's just embarrassing. But there they are saying that Israel, Israel's the problem. And there's your Republican senators, so many of them, saying, let's give $9 billion to the Palestinians. Hamas, in other words. And, and oh, by the way, $4.83 billion to countries in Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia? What? Yeah. Yeah, we're just sending billions all over the world, adding $2 trillion to our deficit. And, it, and they don't even bat an eye, these people. Well, they love to spend fake money, don't they? Listen to Scarborough as he says, if you're not behind this bloating spending package that we can't afford, well, you're encouraging the... The invasion of Europe, I guess. This is clip six. You, yeah. you have a party now that is, is, is encouraging the invasion of Europe. A party right now whose senators are saying Europe should just get over it. A party right now who's pulling up stakes and being every bit as isolationist as Charles Lindbergh. Being, I, I wouldn't even put them in the same category as Neville Chamberlain because Neville Chamberlain was an honorable man. He was just wrong about appeasing Hitler. <laughs> No, no, these people are cheering for Vladimir Putin. Russia, Russia, Russia. They've been on this for seven, eight years, haven't they? Cheering on Putin. Meanwhile, the country, our country, goes up in flames. You know, they're, they're gathering 
in uh, Munich. Every year they've got this Munich security conference. It's for, it's for Europe's security. And, and you know what the theme is this year? Lose, lose. You can go find the website, Google it. The theme is lose, lose because, well, there's trade barriers and there's competition with China. And, you know, we're str- our European economies are struggling because of it. Why, why is the Munich Security Conference not focused on Ukraine, solely on Ukraine? Because they're about to be invaded. The entire continent of Europe is about to be invaded. That's what John Cornyn is saying. That's what these Republicans are saying. So we've got to send them $61 billion. How stupid is the United States of America? (laughs) They're probably behind closed doors in the Munich Security Conference cheering us on. (laughs) They're emptying out their coffers to try to push back on Putin. Meanwhile, we can focus on trade barriers. We can focus on this with China. We can make sure that we, well, hey, we've got some farmers that are up. There's There's an uprising in several countries countries across Europe because they have been so into their beloved green energy that it's hurting people that are actually that are actually producing food for their people. Yeah, that's right. This is from the New York Times. Germany started the year with Berlin's streets choked with Tractors and farmers blaring horns and furious protest of proposed budget cuts. Then train engineers walked off the job to demand better pay. The, the whole world is in turmoil. I mean, there's populist rebellions, not just in the United States. It's all across Europe. As they see the effects of this globalist push, it's just breaking down. World without borders, no national you know, support or no nationalism. No popular support, and people are taking to the streets. In this case, farmers. It says here, carloads of freight and leaving the country angry and gridlocked. Have you noticed there's quite a few people in, in, in all kinds of Western nations that are very angry at what's happening? It says here, the same could be said for the state of the German economy. Last year it contracted 0.3%. Official figures showed this week, making it not only the largest economy, but also the slowest growing among the 20 countries using the euro. This is happening in Germany? Seriously? What did Herbert Armstrong say about the trigger that brings the Holy Roman Empire together in the heart of Europe? He said it would be an economic crisis. Look at what's happening to, to America's economy. Never mind what Scarborough says. Oh, it's the best ever. The stock market's wonderful. No, no. You add $2 trillion more to the deficit this year, and soon everything just comes crashing down. That's the reality. That's the truth. And Scarborough knows it. He knows it. The one book he wrote, he had two years in Congress, I believe, and then he wrote one book, so far as I know of, in the 1990s, talking about the the economic Armageddon that we're heading toward. And now he's he's singing a different tune, because he works for MSNBC, right? Now he's talking about how, hey, the economy's booming. It's never been better. China can't compete with us. Russia surely can't. This is from Spiked Online. It says, you get the feeling that farmers are not wanted in Germany. They want to abolish us, says this farmer. She's a young German farmer who, along with her family, 30,000 other people and 5,000 tractors descended on Berlin Monday. This was back in 
late January. This story is a little bit old. It's been in my notes for some time. Capping off an, uh, a week of nationwide demonstrations that blocked roads, brought life to a standstill, and reminded the German political class why it's best not to get on the wrong side of people who operate large machi machinery. You know what you don't find in any of these two articles about the, the German farmers taking to the streets? There's nothing about Ukraine. I think Putin's about to invade Europe, Senator Cornyn says. He's about to invade Europe. This is the most important spending legislation that you've ever had, says Mitt Romney. Nothing about Ukraine at the Munich Security Conference. Not that I know of. Here's a summary of the conference. I think it starts here in a couple of days. Amid growing geopolitical tensions and rising economic uncertainty, many governments are no longer focusing on the absolute benefits of global cooperation, but are increasingly concerned that they are gaining less than others. This sounds like it's pretty much about the economy. What about Ukraine? What about Putin? This is the German Security Conference. The Munich Security Report 2024 explore, explores the lose-lose dynamics that are spurred if ever more governments prioritize relative payoffs rather than engage in positive sum cooperation and invest in an international order. There you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, just ordinary people in Germany, in the United States, they're furious. I mean, the, like I say, the senators wanted to pass this through quickly because their phones were lighting up with angry citizens in their, in their constituencies saying, no, 95 billion for all these foreign wars or disputes and nothing for the invasion of the United States of America. Are these people serious? Do, do they, do they, they talk about MAGA not loving their country. Do these people who want to spend $95 billion abroad and do nothing about the southern border, do they love their country? It's not like I've said before. It's not like these foreign disputes and or wars are insignificant. The whole world is about to explode in violence. But the point that we make quite often on this show is that even as these explosions are happening abroad, America is under attack at home. If you don't have this book yet, make sure you call our operators today and request your free copy. Tucker Carlson was in Dubai. Of course, last week he was in Russia, sitting down and, and chatting with Vladimir Putin. And then he moves on to some other conference going on in Dubai. And listen to what he said, not even about geopolitics, about Putin or, uh, or any other hot button issue. He's just talking about his visit to the city of Moscow and comparing that city to cities, big cities here in the United States of America. Listen to this exchange, clip one. What was radicalizing, very shocking and very disturbing for me was the city of Moscow, where I'd never been, the biggest city in Europe, 13 million people. And it is so much nicer than any city in my country. I had no idea. My father spent a lot of time there in the 80s when he worked for the U.S. government and barely had electricity. And now it is so much cleaner and safer and prettier aesthetically. It's architecture. It's food. It's service. 
than any country, city in the United States that you have to, and this is non-ideological, how did that happen? How did that happen? And at a certain point, I don't think the average person cares as much about abstractions as about the concrete reality of his life. And if you can't use your subway, for example, as many people are afraid to in New York City because it's too dangerous, you have to sort of wonder, like, isn't that the ultimate measure of leadership? Here again, Tucker, he has a knack for saying what people deep in their heart of hearts know is true. And he's an effective communicator. And he states things simply. Well, let's let's look at Moscow. Just as the city is run, he, he obviously doesn't want to he doesn't want to live under a communist dictatorship. But what, what he's talking about there is what your Bible says is the times of the Gentiles. You've got all these Gentile nations abroad where their cities are actually safer because they don't have a catch and release program in place like we do at the southern border or like we do in New York City, as I said on yesterday's show. Yeah, the policy in Israelite nations in particular, catch the criminal and then release them, then let them go. I don't think Putin's police is going to do that in Moscow. Not, not certainly, I'm not suggesting I would want to live under a communist dictatorship. We, we rather enjoy the freedoms that we still have remaining in the United States that allows for this broadcast to go out to the largest audience that we can reach. Tremendous freedoms. But what has happened to law and order? The whole society is breaking down because of it. Total breakdown of law and order in our cities. And now added to the problems, you're bringing in tens of millions of military-aged young men. Single young men. And you're just inviting them into New York City. Chicago. Houston. Boston. Listen to this, this report out of uh, Boston. This is a local TV station. Uh, talking about the immigrants and how that there's no place to stay. And here, here, of course, is the solution. Clip two. It's been an emotional few weeks for Wildande Joseph and her husband. First, sleeping on the floor at Logan Airport, then in Children's Hospital with their two-year-old daughter who got very sick. She felt bad as any mother would. Now things are looking much brighter as they've been welcomed into Lisa Hillenbrand's Brookline apartment. She says her daughter is very happy. When she wakes up in the morning, she says, hi, Lisa, and everyone starts the day smiling. It's a delight, and it's really fun having them. What I realized is is there's so much prejudice against refugees, mostly because people don't know them. Lisa says she feels like she has her own personal chef as Wildande loves cooking. Wow. So the white privileged Lisa from Brookline, she's welcoming in these people of color from Haiti, and now she's got her personal chef, her maid servant. It, it seems like, doesn't that conflict with some of the woke commandments that we've heard in recent years? And how, how, this was two minutes and 21 seconds, this segment. How much time do you suppose this Boston news station will devote to the immigrant from El Salvador and transgender, by the way, waltzing into the church last weekend in Houston, Texas, and shooting up the place before law enforcement gunned down the killer? That's right, it hits all the buttons. I mean, on a rifle or his, whoever this is, 
in Houston. On the rifle, it said free Palestine. She's a Jew hater. She's a murderer. She's got a rap sheet that's never ending. And she's an illegal from El Salvador. Voted in 2020. Yeah. But this station in Boston would have you to believe that, listen, (laughs) take it from the, the white privileged lady in Brookline. She just invited him into her apartment. And now she's got a personal chef. So that's how, that's how we solve this influx of illegals. Everybody just open your doors. It doesn't matter what you know about them or don't know about them. If they're young men from Venezuela, bring them in. Hopefully they, hopefully they know how to cook and clean. This story about the shooter in Houston It says here, Marino reportedly entered Lakewood Church in Houston wearing a trench coat and a backpack and carrying a long rifle. She started shooting, and then two off-duty officers opened fire, killing Marino. The boy and a 57-year-old man were shot during the exchange in the gunfire. The child was reportedly taken to the hospital. So this transgender maniac comes in with a little kid and wants to kill people at a church. Similar to the Nashville incident last year, that that killer wanted to go to a church school and kill them some Christians. Says investigators are reportedly trying to determine if the attack was politically motivated. Well, they'll probably be working on that for several years now. You 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 never really can find out when it's a transgender crazy, you can't really find out if there's any politics involved or... It says here, the trans shooter had a criminal history dating back to 2005, listen to this, including failure to stop and give information, assault of a public servant, assault causing bodily injury, forgery, possession of marijuana, theft, evading arrest, and unlawful carrying of a weapon. Catch and release. Uh, A criminal history that goes back almost 20 years. Catch them, slap them on the wrist, and release them so they can go shoot up a church. Catch and release. Tucker's right. I mean, it's a hard truth to swallow. Are, Are you saying that our cities are less peaceful, are, are more dangerous than, than Singapore or Moscow or Beijing? Yeah, that's right. And this is where we are. Total breakdown of law and order here in the United States. This other story from ABC says here, some anti-Semitic writings have been re- recovered, but a motive behind the Sunday afternoon shooting has not been determined according to the police. So they'll, they'll keep looking into any kind of motivation as they come out with the press conferences like I saw the other day. The police officer so, so careful to make sure the pronouns were right. We got to make sure the pronouns are just right because we love transgenders here in America. We love transgenders in Houston. We love transgenders in Nashville. And if they shoot up a Christian school, there's certainly no motivation behind it. It's just kind of a random thing. It's sad. 
And in fact, it happens all over the place. It happens in, in Moscow and in Singapore and in Beijing, does it? I think Tucker's right. Tucker's right. This uh, article, if I can hurry through, just to come back to the Antiochus leading this movement, this America, I think it's America thinker, um, talking about the Obama doctrine. The global domestic landscape is one of turmoil and indecision. It says everywhere one looks, there's chaos and potential disaster, whether in the financial, economic, political, or military sphere. Since the beginning of the post-World War II era, there has been one constant that has been the stabilizing force in the world, the stature, power, and influence of the United States. But listen to this now. The 12 years of Barack Obama and his ventriloquist puppet, Joe Biden, have overwhelmingly eroded America and dramatically accelerated the demise of Western civilization. See, the whole world's about to explode in violence and turmoil. It's already started in many, in many places, certainly in American cities. Barack Obama assumed the office of the presidency as a man brought up and steeped in 1960s radicalism, as well as his Kenyan father's rabid anti-colonialism, a combination which advanced the doctrine that America, as the current Western superpower, represents the evil nature of colonialism, Western civilization, and capitalism's exploitation of the masses. It says the ongoing chaos in the United States is a direct result of their tactical methodology. In other words, this is all brought on by the Obama doctrine. Now, there's some history, obviously, that goes before that. That's covered in He Was Right, our uh, brochure, the chapter on the communist infiltration of America, and that it was prophesied. But, but then this article just goes through some of the, <laughs> the, uh, the Obama doctrines. Here it says, tribalize the American populace through an incessant drumbeat of the iniquities of the so-called white race and their attendant white supremacy and privilege. Another, infiltrate the universities in order to indoctrinate the younger generations about America's supposed role in the evils of exploitation and colonialism. Another doctrine, collapse the economy through the exploitation of un unsubstantiated climate change and an equally fatuous green agenda. Another doctrine, undermine the Judeo-Christian foundation of the nation by promoting unfettered sexual and lifestyle freedoms. Another, it says, manipulate the voting process in order to achieve permanent government power. And then finally, flood the nation with untold millions of illegal immigrants who will refuse to assimilate and will create massive dislocations in the society and the economy. It's just a, another detailed, I might add, another detailed way of saying that America is under attack. There's another article, I'll just have to get to it at a later time, because we talked recently about uh, dark sentences uh, and how that the Bible describes the Antiochus in Daniel 8 as one that has an understanding of these dark sentences or arts, as was discussed on this show 
last week, an American thinker piece also elaborating on that. This final one, I guess I got to most of it yesterday. Donald Trump's really good week, just to finish on a little bit more of a positive note, because we know that Jeroboam is coming back. That's discussed in America Under Attack as well. And, and this is why you have the, the uh, complete and total meltdown on the morning shows as they come to grips with the fact that Donald Trump is going to return. That's why they're so hysterical. Because they know it's inevitable. <laughs> they know. They can't stop it. I mentioned yesterday, this article points out how that 76% of Americans are concerned about Biden's mental fitness to be president. 76%. I heard another one. I think it was a reporter that brought it up to KJP. That had it in the 80s. 80, 80 or 81%, I think it was. And she responded by saying, hey... He's never been sharper. Well, they can go on and on (laughs) in this debate about who's sharp and who's senile. But Americans, so many of them, can see it with their eyes. They can see. They can see who's pro-American. They can see who loves their country. And they can see who's actively working to try to destroy it, to dismantle all of America's traditions, to destroy the economy like this American thinker piece brings out and to just open doors, open doors to a complete and total invasion of the United States of America. As I say, all this and more is discussed in this book right here, America Under Attack. Call our operators today and make sure that you request your free copy. When we come back, we'll conclude today's show with our uh, short Bible study segment. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something, is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com.
We've talked in uh, recent uh, shows about the information war that we're in the midst of and how that, you know, we really do have to love the truth of God in order to hold on to it. It's just so easy to let things slip away or like I was saying yesterday on the show, to just get tired of fighting for the truth and to give in and to just be a, a bystander. just an observer, or to remain neutral in this war. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 21 says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Prove everything. As Herbert Armstrong used to say, don't take my word for it. Blow the dust off your Bible and see what God has to say. See what God's word says. Look into the prophecies of God. You know, I mentioned America under attack, and really as, as part of that study, you should also look into the United States and Britain in prophecy, because so much of this, uh, this attack, the Obama doctrine, as I talked about in the last segment, the aims of that doctrine to, to basically bring down the United States, that's Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 being fulfilled. Those are prophecies of God. And Mr. Armstrong, of course, spends a lot of time on them or uh, uh, devotes a lot of space to them in, uh, in that book on Bible prophecy, basically. One third of your Bible's prophecy. So if you haven't gotten it already, get the United States and Britain in prophecy. But here Paul says, look, it's not important enough to prove the truth. You've got to hold on to it as well. You've got to show some passion and desire to hold on to that precious truth. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's John 8, verses 31 and 32. You've got to know the truth. You've got to remember the truth. You've got to apply the truth. And God wants us to get detailed and specific in our study. It's just too easy to generalize or to spiritualize away God's truth. God really wants us to go deep into this study of His Word and to know the truth. I mean, if it sets us free, that's the key to freedom. (laughs) You've got to know the truth. We've got to obey the truth. Notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. This is verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. You know, you stand in the true gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus preached the gospel of the soon coming kingdom of God. I mean, that's truth. (laughs) That so many people, even in the world of traditional Christianity, have just utterly rejected They don't believe in the literal establishment of God's kingdom on earth. They don't believe that that God's kingdom is going to rule over all nations, like it says at the end of uh, Revelation 11. You can see a similar prophecy in, in Zechariah 14. So much confusion in the world of Christianity, in the world of Judaism as well. I mean, they they see the Old Testament as their their Bible. Well, what about 1 Corinthians 14, 
or sorry, Zechariah 14. I got confused here with our Corinthian verses. But Zechariah 14, that's at the tail end of the, the Old Testament. And the entire chapter is talking about what happens when Jesus returns to Jerusalem. Verse 2, coming back to 1 Corinthians 15, it says, By which also, this is speaking of the truth of the gospel, it says, By which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. See, we have to keep these truths in memory. You can look into your margin if you have a King James Version, and it says there to hold fast. Hold fast. I mean, this is... This is uh, how we're saved. I mean, that's very different from what's commonly taught in the traditional Christian denominations. That you're just saved, you know, snap of a finger, altar call, once saved, always saved. And yet Paul says here, on the subject of being saved, he says, you've got to keep that in memory. You've got to hold on to the truth. You've got to, what did Jesus say in Matthew 24? Those who endure to the end, the same shall be saved. So Christianity, it's a battle. It's a battle. Read about it in 2 Timothy 2. I mean, we've got to fight the good fight, Paul said to uh, Timothy there toward the end of his life. I mean, Paul was a fighter. Paul held fast to the truth. And so he did so at a time when... So many in the church were falling away from the truth. Read the, the first chapter of 2 Timothy, where Paul said to Timothy, everyone in Asia has left me. That's what happened in these last days. Most of God's people fell away from the truth. They rebelled against God. They buried the truth. And uh, we, as I've said so many times in recent weeks, we encountered that kind of satanic effort to, to blot out the truth during those six years of litigation over Mystery of the Ages. We finally did obtain that book and all the other writings of Mr. Armstrong, or at least most of them, back in, uh, in 2003. Hebrews 2, notice this, Hebrews 2 and verse 1. It says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. It's just easy to let the things we've heard slip away. That's why we need to be reminded of it so often. <laughs> That's why every year when we go through the, the annual festivals, God reminds us of his purpose and plan as it's working out here below. That's why every week, the weekly Sabbath, every day, you know, when we pray and study, we should be doing it every day. I heard Brad McDonald, he assists me here on campus with the students, and he just asked them straight away, 8 o'clock, top of the, the morning, he asked at 8 o'clock, did anyone have any, you know, profound insights in your personal Bible study this morning? Those students are encouraged and even expected to pray and study, to get to know their maker, to get to know the truth. And, and we just take it as a given. Ah, tell me, tell me about what you experienced, what you studied in your session this morning. It's a good question. And it's one that would, I think, prick our hearts a little bit if we 
if we thought, well, maybe I can skip that session today. Maybe, uh, maybe I can think about a few good things in the car ride to work or whatever. That's exactly the way the Laodiceans uh, thought following the death of Herbert Armstrong. They just, it, and it probably happened gradually over time, but they just let things slip. They didn't stay vigilant, spiritually speaking. They didn't prove all things and then hold fast to that precious truth. Notice 2 Peter and, and chapter 1. This is uh, verse 10. It says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Peter is saying, now you've got to be diligent. Otherwise, it's just easy to let things slip. Make your calling and your election sure. How do you make it sure? Well, by being diligent, <laughs> by studying, by overcoming, by growing, by drawing near to God in prayer, in study, occasional fasting, Christian fellowship, watching world events. There's a lot that goes into it, but that's why the Bible calls this Christian way of life our, our vocation. And, and our profession, this is what we want to be. Spiritually speaking, we want to be professional Christians. Really good, really accomplished at the spiritual things. It's not that there aren't physical responsibilities, particularly for a, a, a father and a mother as the family grows and expands. But even children, I mean, they've got responsibilities as they grow up in a righteous household. But the concentration, the focus is on the spiritual. Peter says here, just to go down to verse 12, Wherefore I, he's talking about himself, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and to be established in the present truth. I know some of these things I'm saying to you, you've heard before, but listen, I've got to make sure you're established in them. I've got to make sure that you know them. And that's why I'm not going to be negligent as a minister of God to put you always in remembrance of these things. That's all we have time for on today's show. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. Thank you for joining us on today's program, and we'll see you again tomorrow. <laughs>